So um, I felt led to start a new teaching today. I believe it's going to be a series. It's, God definitely dropped this message in my spirit during prayer over the last few weeks, actually through a, a scripture reading and then a prayer later on. And um, I, I feel like it's going to be a, a sermon series uh, that we're going to do over the next month or so or maybe longer. But it, I, I decided to call it The Spirit of Jesus. And uh, it's really a series about the Holy Spirit and who He is and what He's like and what it's like when He shows up and when He makes His presence known. And uh, as we're going to look at today a little later on, Acts chapter 16 said, calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Jesus. That's who the Holy Spirit is. It's not just an impersonal force. He is a person. Um, you know, if you have someone who's like on vacation or maybe they're doing something important and you can't be there, you're like, I'm with you in spirit. And like while they're doing it, you're like thinking about it, right? And it's kind of metaphorical for us because our spirit is kind of trapped inside our bodies or limited within our this avatar. That's how God wired it, right? The Holy Spirit is not limited in that way. And so he puts his spirit in us, but his spirit is also on us. His spirit can also permeate an atmosphere. And um, you know how there's sometimes there's people who are more extroverted um, and every time they walk in the room, you know they're there, right? The life of the party, so to speak. Then you have more of the wallflowers. How many wallflowers do we have in here, right? Can you drive it home with one headlight? Come on, somebody. All right. Jacob Dylan, anybody at all? All right. That's a good song. That's their best song, but it was a good song. Um, wallflowers are more introverted people, quiet. And, you know, I, I, I make this mistake. I've made this mistake at church before where I'm like, oh, hey, how long you been here? Did you just get here? I've been here for three hours. It's like, oh, gosh, sorry. Sorry about that. Right? And, you know, Jesus is a gentleman. He puts his spirit in us, and he's not really loud or he's kind of quiet. He kind of yields to your spirit, really, in you. But then there are times he makes his presence known. He says, I've got something to say. Or he goes, uh, actually, I want to do something right now. <laughs> and he does it. And you're like, oh, oh, Jesus is here. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's here. <laughs> uh, we were praying as a band right before this service. And, and we all, there was a lot of people just started crying out of nowhere. Just a second ago, we were, we were laughing and joking. And then we start praying. And we become aware of his presence. And then we start crying. It's like, what is this? Right? Some of you all were like, oh, church, oh, that's good music. There's people getting baptized. God is in this place. You became aware. He was here, but he made his presence known in a special way. And so, <laughs> with, with what the journey our church family's been on, we're coming into a, a new season of life as a church family. It's a new phase of life, you might even say. And he's going to be making his presence known a lot more. And I don't want that to be confusing first for any of you. When he makes his presence known, I want you to recognize it as his presence. I want you to be able to go, whoa, the Holy Spirit is moving. <laughs> we, we had a guy get baptized at Revival. I think he's here today. I won't point him out. I don't want to embarrass him. But he got baptized. He said when he got baptized, he felt things. He was like, ooh. He sat up in the water and he was like, ooh, I, I felt different. You know? I was like, cool. He said when I started reading scripture after that, I, it's like it, it made sense to me. It's like, I, was, I understood it. Cool. I was like, that's awesome. And this was at our Monday night prayer or group, men's group this past week. He said, and then the last few days and like tonight when people start praying, I start feeling hot all over. 
He's like, you guys, you guys ever experienced that? And I looked at one of the other guys and I laughed and I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, yeah. Oh, good. He's like, it was so strong. He's like, I thought I was being possessed by a demon or something. I was kind of scared. And I just laughed and I looked at him. I go, well, you're possessed. But it's the good spirit. He owns you. He owns you. He possesses you now. So you might feel some things every now and then (laughs) in a good way. I want you to recognize when he shows up. I don't want you to get uncomfortable when he shows up. If Jesus made his presence known in a greater way, and it makes you uncomfortable, what does that say about you? It says Jesus' presence makes you uncomfortable. I don't know about you, I don't want to be uncomfortable in his presence. I want to feel at home in his presence. And we're meant to. And that's really what today's message is about. And what, as we walk through this series, um, talking about what the spirit of Jesus, really what it's about. What it's about. And so if he, if he made his presence known in a greater way, even today, even than what we've experienced so far, would you recognize him? Would you recognize him? I want to give you an example from my life, a natural example to help us wrap our minds around this. Um, You all recognize me, right? I'm pretty easy to recognize, all right, because of the shiny dome, right? And so if you saw me out at Kroger after after church, you might catch a reflection out of the corner of your eye like, oh, oh, it's Aaron. Oh, that's the shiny head. Oh, it's Aaron, you know? Pretty easy to recognize, all right? Pretty easy to recognize. But if you had gotten to know me in a different phase of my life, and you knew me really well in a different season, in a different phase, when maybe I looked a little different, maybe lived a little different, and then you hadn't seen me for 12, 15, 20 years, and then you saw me, you might not recognize me, right? I was at a Little League baseball game. One of my sons was playing a few years ago and took him to practice. And this guy was like, hey, where's the practice at? And I was like, oh, it's over here. And he goes, hey, Kirk. And he starts talking to me. And he's, he's walking closer. And he's like yelling and like, like he's excited. And I'm like, who is this guy, you know? <laughs> Tall guy, you know? And tattoos on his arms, big old bushy beard, sunglasses and a hat. And I'm like, and he gets like up about 10 yards away and he goes, you don't recognize me, do you? And I'm like, I don't know who you are. And he pulls his hat and glasses off and he's like, it's me. And he said his name and I go, oh, it was one of my friends from high school. Hadn't seen him since high school. He was about 20 pounds, 30 pounds, maybe heavier than high school. Big bushy beard, hat, you know, hat, sunglasses, did not have tattoos in high school, Right. I did not, I was like, oh, it's you, oh, yeah, yeah, now I know who you are, like, yeah, I didn't recognize you, right? And so if you knew me in a different season, maybe an earlier season of life, and then you hadn't seen me since then, and then I showed up, you might not know that it's the same person. For example, <laughs> if you knew me in, well, let me, this is me, so like this, let's, you all know me, this is me, right? If you see me outside of church, I probably have a hat on, Right? Because the head, you'd be surprised how much body heat is released through your head. And uh, get a little chilly. And also in the sun, it gets sunburned. So I, I wear a hat almost all the time. Usually a black hat. Black is my favorite color. Um, and that's, that's me, right? So you would recognize me. But if you knew me in maybe this season of my life, and you hadn't seen me since then, you might not recognize. This is what I call, this is what I call my incognito phase of life. Uh, they're on the left as a middle-aged woman who, with an affinity for hats, apparently. Uh, over on the right, G.I. Joe, my favorite character there uh, growing up. And then down below, I'm incognito as an angel, but I'm not a real angel. And then one of the real angels is calling me out, and we're all kind of giggling about it. So if you knew me in that season, hadn't seen me since then, and then showed up now, you, you might not recognize me. Or if you knew me in this next phase of my life, what I call the sharp-dressed man phase. 
I'm the little, littlest man in all those pictures. And believe it or not, that is not Chevy Chase. That is my dad in those photos. Okay. <laughs> so the next phase of life I went through is my multi-sport athlete phase. Uh, this is me playing basketball in a baseball uniform on the left there with, with the cleats on and everything. That's my paddle ball slash surfer phase there in the middle. Uh, you could tell my mom was real concerned about the sun burning my face off, um, the amount of sunscreen she put on there. And then, you know, that's me in my Russellville Ramblers baseball hat there on the right. My next phase of life was a little bit older. You definitely wouldn't recognize me if you hadn't seen me since this one. This is what I would call my emo punk rock phase with the longer hair, the beard, and that is a lip ring. That is a lip ring there. I I had a lip ring at one time. Yep, so... (laughs) Just leave it at... I don't know why that's funny, but... Somebody asked me one time, why don't, why don't you wear it anymore? Like, where, where is your lip ring? I'm like, the cops took it out. And that's a true story. So we'll just move on from that. <laughs> so uh, next phase, this was really brief, but I did have a brief career as a pro donkey basketball player. It was all for charity. It was one night only, but you might not recognize me if you hadn't seen me since then. Um, and then this one's a little more recent. Next one, my, my brief career as a, as a folk singer-songwriter, right? A little more recent, all right? And then, of course, this is me in the present. This, like I said, that's me. But what if, you, what if you saw me now? You didn't see me for another 25 years. What phase of life would I be in then? Maybe I might look like this. You know, one of these guys. Guy on the left there, hopefully. On the face app, that's the cool, it said cool old. And I was like, yeah, let's go with cool. So it doesn't add much weight, apparently, and just gives you a nice beard, gray beard. The guy on the right, that was the guy that had about 100 extra pounds added and uh, 30 extra years. And who knows, if I ate too much ice cream over the next 30 years, and then, you know, my doctor says I have to stop eating it, that might be what I end up looking like, you know? So, so who knows? Depending on what phase of my life you got to know me in, if you saw me now, you might not recognize me. And the same thing actually kind of happened to Jesus when he was on the earth. And the Bible talks about this in a few different places. Mark chapter 6, uh, God hit me with this verse as I was reading it. Over the last few weeks, it just jumped out, and I was like, oh my goodness, there's so much there. And I want to read this to you. Uh, Verse 12 and 13 for context, it says, They went out and preached that people should repent. This is Jesus and his disciples. That people should repent. They drove out many demons, and they anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Okay, so they're doing a lot of successful ministry. It's going well. And listen to this next verse, verse 14. King Herod heard about this. For Jesus' name had become well known. In other words, in the country of Israel at the time, Jesus was famous. Jesus was famous. Everybody was talking, have you heard about this Jesus guy? He's like healing people. They're doing miracles. He's driving out demons. I heard he raised somebody from the dead. I heard he touched a leper and the guy got healed. All the stories that are circulating. Jesus is famous His name had become well known. Now listen to what it says next though. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. And that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. That is why. It's not because he's the son of God who he really is. It's because he's really John the Baptist come back. Others said, verse 15, he's Elijah. There was a prophecy that Elijah is going to return before the Messiah, that the prophet is going to come and restore things and then prepare the way. And, and that's the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. And then, the, and then like that's, maybe that's who he is, this prophet, this, this guy Elijah, that's who he is. And still others claimed he's a prophet like one of the prophets of long ago, one of the powerful prophets. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, he has been raised from the dead. That's who he is. And it hit me as I read that a few weeks ago. Oh, my goodness. 
Jesus's name was famous. Jesus's name had become well known, but nobody knew who he really was. And even when Jesus was doing things, doing miracles, doing many mighty things, amazing things, they didn't recognize that this is actually the presence of Almighty God with us. They got confused. They called him other things. He's a prophet. He's a good teacher. He's John the Baptist come back. Some said he's the devil in the flesh. And man, I think we have the same problem in our day and age today. And I know people get confused about the historical Jesus when he was here in the flesh. And they say he's a good te- he was just a good teacher. He was just this. He was just that. And that's not really what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about when he shows up in person today, people get confused. And people misunderstand and people get uncomfortable. And unfortunately, some people even say it's the devil. (sighs) As I was lamenting in prayer this week on Wednesday. That in the name of Jesus, some people reject the actual presence of Jesus in our day and age. That's what happened when he showed up in the flesh. When God in the flesh showed up, they got confused. Because he did things they didn't expect. He healed on the Sabbath. And to them, they said that's work and that's breaking the law. And God in the flesh would never break the law. His name was well known, but they didn't recognize him. He drove out demons. They said it's because he was the devil. His name was well known, but they didn't recognize him. In fact, I want to read to you Luke 11, 14 through 20. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. A demon that was mute, which means the person couldn't talk. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, Satan's, who they're talking about, he is driving out demons. They called him Satan. They're saying by Satan's, it's satanic power. It's like the occult. It's like witchcraft stuff. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? By the way, that's a, that's a zinger. He's burning them. They couldn't drive out demons. Oh, if I'm driving them out by the devil, who do you drive them out by? Oh, you can't? Oh, sorry. <laughs> that, that's, what, that's what he was getting at. So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons <laughs> by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Hmm. John chapter 10, 19 through 21, it says, the Jews who heard these words from Jesus were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why? Listen to him. But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. Scripture says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, I've prayed with hundreds and hundreds of people now over the last seven, eight years to receive Christ. And every now and then you get somebody who's not super willing and you're like, do you want to do this? They say, yeah, but then then you start leading them and they, they resist and they don't do it. Why is that? Because they're not really bought in yet. They don't really want Jesus to be Lord. They're not a believer yet. Sometimes it's demonic interference. Scripture tells us how to judge what is of the Lord, how to test the spirits. 
No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Remember that, okay? This is, I'm setting you up for some stuff later on, okay? Jesus is saying, I'm getting rid of demons. Is that the devil or God? It's not hard to figure out. If the demons leave, it's God. It's good, okay? Good or bad, all right? Good, good fruit. All right. I'm going to heal somebody. Yeah, it's on the Sabbath. Oh, is that good or bad? Oh, it's good. That's a good thing. That's God. It's not difficult to figure out. All right. Remember that. Finally, Jesus confronts them in John chapter 5. Listen to what he says. John 5, verses 39 and 40. Listen to this. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. He's saying the scriptures testify to a person, a real God. And guess what? He's here in the flesh, and you are rejecting him in the name of the scriptures. The Pharisee spirit is alive and well today. That in the name of the scriptures, the guys who say they know the Bible the best, the guys in our age who have a doctorate degree in Bible, reject the presence of the actual Jesus when he shows up. Why? Because they don't recognize him. Because listen, he's in a different phase of life. He's in a different phase of life. When Jesus showed up in the flesh, had he ever done that before? Had God Almighty ever done that before? No, it was a different phase of life. Same God. Different phase of life. See, they only knew him by the Old Testament scriptures. And that that was God. That was God revealing himself to them. But that's all they knew of him. And they thought when he showed up in their day and age, he would look like what he had always looked like in the Old Testament scriptures. And they were wrong. And so they didn't recognize him. So let's talk for a brief moment about the different phases of life of God and how he's revealed himself to mankind. You see, before Abraham, up to Abraham, there was really not much going on. God wasn't, he was really a wallflower. Like you might not even know he's there. He really only revealed himself through a voice. And, and we discern from scripture, it's most likely an audible voice. Like Abraham, leave your father's family, go to the place I'll show. Just a voice out of nowhere, the voice. Woo. That's the only way they would have recognized him. That's the only way he showed up in that phase of God's life and how he was revealing Then you get to Moses. Now he starts manifesting in visibility. And he looks like a pillar of cloud. That is a cloud by day. And at night, it's still the pillar thing, but it's on fire. And that was God's presence. And it said whenever they would move, that would go out in front of them. And it says when they set up the tabernacle, it would fall. And it was like, oh, that's God. That is God over there. And they even kind of feared it. I mean, I would too if, if that. I mean, imagine a giant tornado that stands still and is on fire during the night. And then at the daytime, the fire goes out and it's just a cloud. That's what it was. That would freak you out a little bit. But it was God. Abraham never saw that. He didn't know God that way. If that just showed up one day, he'd be like, ah, run for cover. Moses saw it and went, oh, there he is. And went into it. It fell on the tent of meeting. He went into it. And was like, oh, hey, let's talk, God. He didn't fear it. Why? Because he knew it was God. It was weird. It was extreme, but it was God. Post-Abraham, or I'm sorry, post-Moses. Moses up to really the time of John the Baptist. 
What, how, what phase of life was God in? How did he reveal himself? What did he look like? What did he feel like? How did you commune with him? He looked like the religious system. He looked like go to the temple, sacrifice an animal, you know, lay your hand on it, confess your sins, slit his neck. Okay, your sins are accounted for now for this year. I'm going to have to do it again next year, but that's what it looked like. The religious system, all the rules, 613 laws. You better obey them if you break them. Got to do the sacrifices. That's what it looked like. That's what it felt like all the way up until Jesus. And that's why they didn't recognize him. They're like, no, no, no. God would never do these things. And Jesus is like, I'm not, I didn't come to abolish law. I did come to fulfill it. And he fulfilled it. And he set it aside to establish a new and better covenant, the covenant of his blood. Jesus is God in the flesh. The fullness of deity and bodily form the exact representation of his being. We say he was fully God, fully man. So in his flesh, his humanity, he was fully human. But in his spirit, his heart of hearts, he was fully God. That's why he say, we say he's the only, scripture says he's the only begotten son. We're all sons and daughters of God. But our spirits are of human, of human spirits. Our bodies are of human bodies. His body was from a human body. His spirit was from the same divine essence that created all things. Fully God. So he is God in the flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh, and they didn't recognize him. I would like to propose to you today, though, that Jesus is in a different phase of life. When he shows up today, he doesn't show up in a robe with, with skin on, with a, a brown beard, and blue eyes. Like y'all think he looked back then, although he didn't look like that back then. Most likely, he probably had brown eyes, right? Probably had darker skin than you imagine too, right? But listen, he doesn't show up that way. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered, oh, I'm there with them. He's here. He's kind of quiet. But then at times, he wants to make his presence known. And I'll say this. It, let's say any of you have wallflower friends and you go out to eat and you're eating and you realize, oh, shoot, I've been doing all the talking. <laughs> they're just so naturally quiet and they're just like, do, 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 do. And you're just like, bah, 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 bah. right? And then you're like, oh, well, <laughs> how are you doing? And they're like, oh, pretty good. You know, you start asking them a few questions and, oh, what do you want to do tonight? What do you, what do you have to say? And the more you yield to your friend, the more they make their presence known. The more we yield to his presence, the more he makes his presence known. And I just want you to recognize him when he shows up. Because when you really yield to him, and I'll say it this way too, when you get a whole group of people, a church body yielding to him together, he'll make his presence known in power. And when Jesus, in this phase of his life, makes his presence known in power, it's powerful. (laughs) Crazy stuff happens, crazy good stuff. Some weird stuff, because it's, it's not normal for us as human people. But he doesn't want you to fear it, because it's Jesus. He wants you to go, wow, he's really moving. Jesus is here in this place. I'm on fire, but it's not a demon. It's Jesus. Wow, that's awesome. I don't fear it now. I kind of like it. Do it again. (laughs) Come on. Light me up again, right? And so he's in a different phase of life. He doesn't show up with skin on. But when he made his presence known when he had skin on, what happened? Oh, demons ran and fell down and made the people they were possessing fall down and begged for mercy. And then he cast them out. People went up behind him, and in his humanity, he didn't even know they were there, and they would touch him and get healed. And he's like, oh, I felt power go out from me. Who touched me? Who was that? <laughs> you know? You know, like that, remember that old song? He touched me, oh, he touched me. You know, any, any old school church people in the room, you know? And Jesus is like, who touched me? Oh, who touched me? <laughs> like, what was that? 
Miracles happened when he made his presence known. Salvation happened by the thousands. He walked on water, multiplied a few loaves and fish, fed thousands. And I'm telling you, when he makes his presence known today, same types of things happen. But some other stuff happens too. And it's kind of weird. It's powerful. And Jesus wants you to be comfortable with his presence. He's in a different phase of life. John 1 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He rose from the dead after he was crucified. He ascended to heaven. Ten days later, after he ascended, was Pentecost. He poured out his spirit. But if you believe in Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit in you. And when you're immersed in the Spirit or filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes on you to anoint you, to empower you. It's like the the power gets turned on. So it's like when you become a believer, you get like an internal tap of water and power for your life. Um, And until you kind of have a Holy Spirit baptism moment, that tap's kind of shut up, right? So you have the character of Jesus... You're saved, you're going to heaven, you start to bear some of the fruit of his character, the indwelling brings the character of Jesus, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all that. When he comes on you in power, it's like that, you get immersed in spirit, but it's like it starts from the inside out. It's like the tap gets turned on, fills you up, and then it overflows and gets you all wet from the inside out. It's a weird analogy, but that's what it's like. So your heart's like, oh, I feel things. Oh, God's so good. Oh, my goodness, what's happening? (laughs) Holy Spirit just bubbled up in you and then ran out the top of your head, I guess, and flowed down all over you. And you got all immersed in Jesus, in his spirit. And somehow, turning that tap on, it just opens it up. And it's hard to explain with human words, but then you've got this power and you've got this boldness you didn't have before. And you're an empowered believer and you, you find out you got some gifts and, and they were technically maybe there because his, the spirit was in you. They just weren't turned on yet. They weren't activated yet. But once you get that tap flowing, that river of life flowing from, no, now the gifts are activated. Now I can do this and I couldn't do that before. Man, I don't know why. I just want to pray healing for people all the time. Oh, maybe I have that gift, you know. And that's kind of what it's like. He poured out his spirit on his people. And so Jesus is in a different phase of life. He is here. He shows up. He makes his presence known at times. But it's not the word made flesh. It's the phase of life Jesus is in now is the word made flesh poured out spirit. He's in spirit now. He's in spirit now. Spirit form. And so when he shows up in power, it's going to look a little bit different. John 16, verse 7, he said to his disciples, I tell you, it's for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Okay? So again, pouring out the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of singular, one name, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the doctrine of the Trinity right there in one verse. Baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, the triune God, expressed in different ways. Three persons, and yet one in perfect unity. So, Jesus pours out his Spirit. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus said. But let me show you this verse in Acts 16 that I mentioned already. And this blew me away probably five, six years ago when I read it. And God gave me a revelation on it. It says in Acts 16, 6, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept, listen, having been kept by the Holy Spirit, from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, did they read their Bibles? And did the Bible say, hey, don't go into Asia. I want you to preach the gospel to all nations, but not Asia. See, if they were just reading the word of Jesus, 
He said, do all nations. We're trying to, we want to go to Asia. We're trying to get to Asia. Not the Bible, not the written word. The presence of Jesus would not allow them to go into Asia. Why? Well, it actually says later on when Paul was in Ephesus, God opened up a door and all of Asia got to hear the good news through when he was at Ephesus. Pretty cool. So what he's saying, we know from that later on, Jesus is like, I've got a better plan. I want everyone to hear in Asia, but I don't want you to go in there yet. Isn't that interesting? You know, your Bible tells you a whole lot of good things. It tells you all you need to know, the big stuff, right? But the Bible speaks generically about a whole lot of stuff, broad sweeping things about morality and about life. But if you're praying, should I go into ministry or should I be an accountant? Your Bible's not going to tell you what to do there. What do you have to do? You have to seek the presence. You have to seek the voice. Yeah, you read the Bible a whole lot because when you read the word of God, it's living and active and God's word will speak to you on decisions like that. The spirit of God will use the word of God, right? But I'm telling you, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will speak to you and he won't speak to you on his own. He will speak what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit will never disagree with the word of God. And listen to me because I've gotten emails recently about, oh, I can't believe you think human discernment is better than the Bible. And I'm like, I don't know where you're getting that at, but I do not believe that. What I'm overemphasizing is the part of American Christianity that is atrophied and dying which I have come to believe is one of the most important parts of our faith, and that's the teachings of the Holy Spirit and developing a living relationship with the Spirit of God in you. And so, yeah, I'm going to speak about that a whole lot more probably than study the Bible, study the Bible, hermeneutics, here's how to interpret everything. Why? Because that's what everybody talks about. Is it important? Absolutely. Don't get me started. I'm not devaluing the word by emphasizing the spirit. I'm emphasizing the spirit because that is what has been quenched. That is what has been attacked. That is what is atrophied in American faith, especially. If we were in another country that is a lot more spiritual, that doesn't have a lot of the lens of atheism, and secular humanism in the American church, then I pro maybe I wouldn't talk about it as much. By the way, do you know the majority of Christians on the earth are charismatic, Holy Spirit-filled Christians in our day and age? Vast majority. Modern Western nations have a lens of secular humanism that they read their Bibles through. They have a lens of atheism that they read their Bibles through. So they want the morality of God, but the Holy Spirit, the, the supernatural stuff's kind of weird. So we don't agree with that. And we're not going to do that in our church. Because people will think we're weird. Hmm. Are we treat, trying to please people or God? It's so deceptive. Especially for pastors. Pray for pastors. It's so deceptive. Oh, I got to get people in. I want to keep people. I don't want to make my church upset. Oh, I'll quietly avoid the topics that might ruffle their feathers. And then you develop a whole culture, church culture around a stronghold. And you wonder why people don't want to serve or give or do anything for God. It's because they have no passion. Because they don't have a real active living relationship. Because they've never been lit on fire by the Holy Spirit. Because why did Jesus say, you better wait till you get the gift. You better wait till you get empowered. You better wait till I light you on fire. Must be important. And so, yeah, I'm going to talk about it a lot. It's going to define, I want the Holy Spirit, his presence. It's the presence of Jesus. We want him to define our church culture. And I believe when he does, we will reach more people than we've ever reached. And they will be naturally discipled in a church culture that's full of the Holy Spirit. And those people, and I'm just telling you from personal experience, those people are like on a rocket of acceleration in discipleship. Why? Because they devour their Bibles on their own. Because the Holy Spirit's like, oh, and they're like, I understand it. It's like the young man that was like, I just understand it now. Do you think he wants to read more or less? 
than the people who are like, oh, I don't know, this is probably a pastor's job. I'll just go to church on Sunday. And if you teach people that prompting to read that Bible, that's him. That's, that's Jesus going, come on, get in my word. <laughs> Listen to it. And so let me finish this verse. Acts 16, 6, it says the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him go into Asia because he had a better plan later on. Verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit, listen to me, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Why does it use a different phrase there? But the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them. I think the author thought no big deal about it. I don't think he was probably thinking too much. He's saying the same thing. Previous verse, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let us go into Asia. Then we tried to go into Bithynia and the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let us. And then we find out, oh, he wants him to go to Macedonia next. That's why, because he's active and he's real and he has a plan and he wants you to yield to his plan because his plan is so much better. So listen to him, yield to him. And if you feel like he's, oh, but this door seems good. But he says in his word, all nations, oh, I'm trying to barge my way this way. And he's going, no, no, no. What if the resistance you've been facing on that decision is not the devil, it's the spirit of Jesus? <laughs> I remember when I was young in my faith, there's a few extreme times where I was like, well, this is either God or the devil, and I'm not sure which. <laughs> and I felt like a heretic saying that. Now I've learned like, I need to discern what's going on here. I read that verse a few years ago, and the Holy Spirit gave me revelation. And here's the revelation. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. That's who he is. So Jesus ascended to heaven. The Father sent the Spirit of Jesus in Jesus' name to be poured out on us. So when you sense the Holy Spirit, you're sensing this, the Spirit of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, gives gifts, that's Jesus giving gifts. It says in the, in the Psalms, which Paul said that's actually Jesus, when he rose, he took captives in his train, and he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to men. And then Paul says that's the spiritual gifts, and he lists them all out. These are the gifts he's given to men. Jesus' gifts are like tools. It's like when you get into the kingdom and he's like, you know, if we were like farmers, he'd be like, you get a tractor, you know, you get a hoe, you get a rake. Uh, let's see here. You get fertilizer. You get, they're a gift, but it's useful for something. And scripture says that when each of us use our gifts, we build the body up till we reach unity. And building the body up also signifies people coming to faith. So we're bringing people to faith. We're building them into the body. They're using their gifts. And the body of Jesus gets built up, built up, built up, built up, built up, built up, built up. And so if modern churches devalue and dishonor the word of God and say, eh, I just don't think the Holy Spirit's dishing out gifts anymore. So we're not going to teach on it. In fact, I'll teach against it. So don't think you have a Holy You just have the Holy Spirit, and it's in you, and it brings you godly character, and that's all he does. And he, he opens up your mind to understand scriptures, and that's it. That's all he does. Don't ever expect that you would prophesy. Don't ever expect that you could pray and see God heal someone through you. Don't ever expect when you need a miracle that you could command something in the name of Jesus, and it would happen. Don't do that. Let me just dumb your faith down to my heresy. If I could just call it what it is. Instead of looking at people who live in an atheistic culture and go, I know it's difficult, but we need to do what the Bible says. We need to rise our faith and belief up to what he says. And he says, this is how it works. And there's no verse, not one, that says he has stopped doing those things. That is, your spirit making an assumption based on your lack of experience. And I believe it's a demonic assumption. You're listening to the wrong spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. So, then, what does it look like when Jesus makes his presence known in our day and age, in this phase of life, as the Holy Spirit? Now, praise God, we don't have to guess. We have scripture. We have an account. Again, it all goes to scripture. See how much I valued the word of God? And let me just challenge all of you and anyone who ever watches this online. Take anything I say and compare it against the word of God. And if I'm wrong, you shoot me an email. Because I would need to repent and change what I teach. But if it's in the book, then maybe you have a responsibility. And I give you that challenge. And here's what I'm telling you. This is all in the book. So what does it look like when the Holy Spirit shows up? When the Holy Spirit makes his presence known, because that is the presence of Jesus. Are you getting the connection now? Well, when you read through the book of Acts, and then some of the later scriptures, and then the book of Revelation, because John gets the revelation of Jesus, it's the revelation of Jesus, but, but John says in chapter 1, I was in the Spirit, hmm, what's that mean? <laughs> Yeah, if you don't have a theology for the Holy Spirit, you don't know what it's like to be filled or baptized in the Spirit. You don't have those experiences. You read your Bible and you go, what does that mean? I was in the Spirit. I don't even know what that means. I know because I used to read that a lot and go, what does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. What does it mean to be in the Spirit? Now I know. Ever since I got all immersed in the Spirit, it's like that taps open and I can turn it on sometimes when I want to. That's interesting. He gave me a gift that helps loosen the tap, which I'll probably teach you about in a couple weeks. It's a really cool gift that we don't use enough. Woo! And then there's times when I'm in a conversation, or you can ask our staff. Our prayer meetings have been just getting longer and longer here lately. Why? Because I'm like, whoa, we're getting late. I'll just pray once, and then we'll be done. And as we start praying, the Spirit comes on me because the te- he's like, nope, opening the tap again. And we look up and it's been a few hours. And I'm like, well, you remember when we were in the Spirit praying? <laughs> okay. Kind of know what that's like now. It's interesting. It's a lot funner to not be in the, than, than not being in the Spirit and praying. I know what I I suffered for years doing that. Oh, Lord, I said I was going to pray an hour a day, and I'm only 45 minutes in, and I'm all out of ideas. Please, Jesus, save me from this prayer time. Anybody? Anybody? (laughs) Man, it's just not like that anymore. So, So what did it look like when he showed up, the Holy Spirit? Now, it's the spirit of Jesus. So, so Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. He opened deaf ears. He did miracles. He, people got saved. I mean, you know what I'm saying? People believed. Demons fled. So that's his spirit, right? So we definitely see, you'll see those things when he makes his presence known. Absolutely. But some other things happen. These gifts, they didn't, that, we didn't have the gifts before Pentecost. Now there's the gifts. And what does that look like? And what is this outpouring? And the baptism, the filling of the Spirit. Well, when you read through, the, especially the book of Acts, when he makes his presence known, um, Joel 2, Acts 2, talk about this, but in the book of Acts, you see a lot of it. One of the biggest signs of his presence, signs of the Holy Spirit making himself known, um, boldness, courage, you, you don't care what other people think, you're so tuned into God. There's this boldness. There's this courage. Um, You just want to pray a lot more. Yes, you get this. This is what we call the fire of God, the consecration. It's like, um, and fire is both purifying and power. So, but, but there's the the purified side, like, oh, I'm gonna, I need to repent even more. (laughs) I thought I was fully surrendered. Purifying of motives. You just want to pray all the time. The early church was just praying all the time (laughs) because they're just full of the spirit. But, you know, if you, just to be honest, if you do a study on Acts, what are the signs of him making his presence known? The two biggest were they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now, I, hear, I want you to hear me loud and clear. 
those aren't the only signs. And I do not believe in our church theology is not that those are the sign. And unless you do that, then you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that. I've seen people be filled with the Spirit and they're so overwhelmed they can't use their mouth. Which I'll show you in a minute. In Scripture. I'll show it to you in Scripture. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lay down. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe I will. It's up to him. By the way, that's another one of our values as a church when it comes... We, we don't hype the Holy Spirit. One of our values... Our values are honor, authenticity, and humility. So when we're praying for you, yeah, the Bible says lay hands. Well, we do it very gently. What we do not do as a church family, at least not people that are trained by us on our ministry, we don't push on people. <laughs> now we've heard testimonies of people who even got upset because they're like, I fell down and somebody pushed me. <laughs> and we get through the prayer time and they're like, who pushed me? And, and then they ask around. Everybody's like, dude, there's nobody standing around you. Like nobody pushed you. I guess Jesus pushed you down. I don't know what to tell you. We didn't do that. And so we don't, we don't force things. We're not forceful. Now, Jesus might be forceful with you. But we're not. Humility, authenticity. We're not going to force things. But you can't deny, when you read through the book of Acts, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Acts 19 there's many passages, but when Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit? We didn't even know there was Holy Spirit. Oh, okay, well, Jesus, okay, get baptized in water. Now let me pray for you. And what they do? And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And you see that phrase all the time. So that happens very often, which Mark 16 says, these signs shall follow, and it lists, they'll lay their hands on the sick and they'll get well. And it says, and they'll speak in new languages. They'll speak in other tongues, speaking in tongues. Lord willing, I plan to do a full sermon teaching on speaking in tongues in probably two weeks, unless, he, unless I'm off base on my discernment, and he's like, no, you're not doing that. But um, it's a really awesome gift, really powerful gift, that is undervalued and not used enough, because most often it's spoken against. And unfortunately, most churches in America, and I believe I can say most churches, when it is used... The only reaction of the leaders is, please don't do that here, which is tragic. No wonder it's not getting used enough. And uh, if Jesus gives gifts, they're important. If you're uncomfortable with a gift from the spirit of Jesus, from Jesus, then again, you're uncomfortable with him. And so... There's a lot of signs of when he makes his presence known, but the most often in Scripture is they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Um, there are some other things that happen, and I'm going to say this. Oh, man, I don't have time to say it. In the book of Revelation, John says when he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, he turned around and saw who was speaking to him, and it was Jesus. And it says, verse, chapter 1, verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Now, was he, does, is he going, oh, I'm going to bow down because I want to? No, the power of Jesus overwhelmed him, and he fell down as though dead, meaning what? He was out, lights out. That actually happens to Daniel in the book of Daniel, chapter 8, two different times. He said, has this amazing, crazy vision. He says, I was terrified and fell prostrate. Talked about Moses when he shows up in power in the fire cloud. You're kind of terrified. Well, when God fully shows up in power, yeah, it can be a little scary sometimes. He fell prostrate. He says, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. He touched me and raised me to my feet. 8 verse 27, I was worn out. I lay exhausted for many days after this experience. Such a powerful experience with the Spirit of God. He lay exhausted for many days. Chapter 10, another vision. He says, my face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. This is not a demonic encounter. <laughs> this is a heavenly encounter. <laughs> I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Um, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. Then he gets up. He says in verse uh, 11, I stood up 
trembling. What's trembling? Shaken. Interesting. I heard one author say it this way. The Holy Spirit, when he pours out, he pour, it's power. It's the power of God too, right? Um, so the manifestations are not the Holy Spirit, right? So if somebody shakes and falls down, is that actually the Holy Spirit? No, that's their reaction to the Holy Spirit. If you stick your finger in a light socket, is your body going to react? Yeah, you'll probably shake and fall down. (laughs) And I'm here to tell you from personal experience, that still happens today. And it can be a little scary when it's happening. But when you get up and you're different... You want to read your Bible more? You want to pray all day? You want to share your faith with people that you don't even know, you never even met? And yes, you know you're being the annoying guy and you don't care because all that matters is eternity and you want to make sure they know Jesus and you're not going to see him again because you're in a city that's far from where you live so you feel more permission? That's what I would call fruit. And I'm just here to tell you, The devil doesn't do that. And I want you to recognize him when he shows up. So that you're not scared or so that you're not uncomfortable. And you don't make a huge mistake of calling it evil. Or calling it not of God. And speaking against Jesus. So listen. Last thing I want to say, if Jesus showed up in power today, maybe even as we close in prayer, would you recognize him? Would you recognize him? Or would you get uncomfortable? Would you criticize? Maybe even leave his presence because that's just too much. I don't know about you, but I want to get comfortable in the presence of Jesus however he wants to show up. And all I know is the more we yield to him, the more he will show up. And I got to say this, and we're over time. This is a house that is going to honor Jesus. So we will always honor his word more than any human opinion. But when the word tells us we should be having these experiences, then it's to honor the word, to obey, and to seek him for them. You know, the word says, eagerly desire the greater spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. And isn't it interesting that in 1 Corinthians 14.5, the apostle Paul says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. Now that's the apostle Paul, but scripture cannot be broken as Jesus said. Meaning, all scripture is God-breathed. Meaning, that wasn't just Paul. Meaning, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus was going, Hey, Paul, write this. I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more, that you prophesied. Translating, speaking in tongues is a really important gift. I wish all my people would receive it. I wish they would all be open to it. But even more, there's an even greater gift that helps people even more, and it's called prophesying. Isn't it interesting that the Western European churches, of which the American church is a part, the two biggest things they have a problem with in charismatic Holy Spirit Christianity is speaking in tongues and prophesying. The two gifts the Spirit of Jesus highlights as, I wish everybody would do it. Must be something to that. And so... If you're new to church, if you're new to God, if you're new to Jesus, especially in America today, and that you're all like, this is weird, I've never heard this, what is that speaking in tongues, and I don't even know about, what are you talking about, people falling on the floor? (laughs) Listen, you don't need to fear it, just be open. And we we don't seek God to get those experiences, right? But those are, experiences are a fruit, an outcome of his presence. 
Does that make sense? When we seek him for the fullness. And this is a church that will honor his word, but we will also honor his presence. To devalue, to dishonor, to quench his presence when he shows up is to devalue and dishonor the word of God. Because the word of God says, the verse I just quoted, but also do not forbid speaking in tongues and do not treat prophecy with contempt, but test them. How can you test them unless you share them? Would you guys stand with me? The Lord's preparing us today because he wants to show up in our house, in our church family, in greater and greater and greater ways. And when he shows up in power, makes his presence known, if we reject him or quench him, he will quietly leave. That's why many churches have a form of godliness but deny the power. And so we're pressing in. We just came out of revival, but let me tell you, that revival just lit a spark that's just going to ignite a fire in this church. And we're moving on to greater glory because we're going great, to more greatly honor the presence of Jesus in our midst. And this sermon and this series is preparing us for that. So that when he comes in power, when he shows up in ways we can't even fathom yet, We won't be uncomfortable. We'll be like, this is Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And one of my big prayers, that we'll steward it well. That we'll steward it well. That we'll steward it well. So let's pray. And I just, I want to ask the ministry team to come up as we're praying and get ready to receive people. And I'm just going to, for the sake of time, I want to pray for you. And then if you need more prayer for anything, please come receive it from the ministry team when we're done. And after I'm done praying and I dismiss. And, uh, and everyone else, you'll be free to leave after that. Go get your kids. And, and uh, if you don't need to stay for any reason, please leave quickly because I went a little over. So thank you. God, I just thank you for your presence here today. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, God. so good (laughs) and God we want to honor your presence today and I just pray that you would teach us what it's like when you show up in every heart (sighs) because we want you to show up we want you to have your way in our midst (sighs) and I just feel led to invite you into my intimacy with the father my prayer language And so I'm going to pray for you, but it's going to be in the Spirit. So this is the Holy Spirit praying through me for you. And I'm interceding for you. And So this this does not require an interpretation because it's not a prophetic word in tongues. This is, I'm just going to pray for you. And some of you are really going to sense the Lord's presence because He's going to be interceding for some of you right now. Um, Yes. Sashiamonono, for too long, for too long, the enemy has had a hold over my people, God says. I'm breaking his bonds right now. I'm breaking unbelief right now. I'm breaking doubt and fear of the Holy Spirit right now. I want to be unleashed. I want my spirit reverenced in this place, Jesus says. Because I want you all filled to the fullness of God. And when you use your gifts and they are unleashed, the fullness is unleashed in a greater way. Because you each have something to bring. The gifts are diverse. You each carry different ones. I purposed it that way, Jesus says. But you must press in. They're your gift. Receive it. 
unwrap it, but you must use it. For me to give you a gift, Jesus says, is a responsibility. I've given you a responsibility, he says. Now use it. If you do not use it because of fear of man, then you're dishonoring me, Jesus says. Use your gifts. And he says to you, those of you who have gifts that have been dishonored in the past, he says to you, this is a house that honors my presence, my word, and my gifts. You will not be shamed here. You will be discipled. You will be trained. So use my gifts in love, Jesus says. In love, not to show off, not to one up, but to build up my body in love, Jesus says. Oh, God, we thank you for this word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for salvation, healing, deliverance, and the filling of your spirit in this place today and every day. Thank you, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.